What is the Great Commission? Well now, that's a good conversation starter at your next small group or church coffee get-together. This is a hardcore episode of When Everything is Missions with Matthew Ellison and Danny Spitters. These two, well, they've been on the front lines for a number of years, as you'll hear in a moment. What is the Great Commission? That's our theme today, and we'll get moving in a moment, believe me. Let me remind you that all of these When Everything is Missions podcast episodes are found where you get your audio podcasts. And you can find a full library of information and instruction at whenevertheringismissions.com. Now, here is Matthew and Denny discussing perhaps one of the most important questions to ever answer. What do you think of Christ? Here we go. Welcome to another episode of the When Everything is Missions podcast. I am Matthew Ellison, president of 1615. And I'm with my dear friend, Denny Spitters, who is co-author of our book, When Everything is Missions, and also vice president of church partnerships at Pioneers. Brother, you know I love being with you. Oh, it's fun. Love swinging swords with you, man. Every time I'm around you, I just get stirred up for the gospel and spreading the gospel. (laughs) I love doing these uh, sessions together. So our last podcast, we talked about the five commissioning statements of Jesus. And on this one, I want to zero in on what's considered the Great Commission. Yes. We have five statements, but the Great Commission, which is Matthew chapter 28. And there's some questions that are surrounding this. We're going to zero in on uh, this as the Great Commission. The the questions are for churches and for individuals, for people. Right. What is the Great Commission purpose Jesus gave to his church? Um, What exactly are we supposed to be doing anyway? What has he called us to accomplish? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the goal of the Great Commission? What is it that we are to work toward? And what does the fulfillment of the Great Commission require of us? Those are critical questions. Given that these were the marching orders of Christ, we can't just take the Great Commission lightly. We need to zero in and say, what was he saying to us? So we have these marching orders, and we know that it's to make disciples, Denny, of all the nations. Yes. We are not just to make disciples, but to disciple all the nations. And I, I've discovered that many churches have domesticated the Great Commission by leaving off the object mm. of the Great Commission, which is the nations. Yes, we are to make disciples, but not to make disciples, period. We are to make the disciples of all the nations. So listen to this quote from David Mays. He says, when people read a scripture passage, depending upon their background, the sermons they've heard, and their life experience, different parts of the passage may catch their attention. You relate to that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I think about it in terms of just our culture. We're so pre-wired to read something in the Bible and then go, oh, I know what that means. But if I come from a a culture that's very self-centered, narcissistic, Mm -hmm. highly individualistic, hmm, wonder what sort of culture that might be. Uh, such as ours, right? we tend to look for what's in it for me. It's like a mirror. You're looking exactly. at the Bible. As, instead of saying, God, where are you? Where are you? What can I learn yep. about you? are saying, where am I? <laughs> right? Exactly. So when it comes to the Great Commission, as recorded in Matthew, the missionary, Danny, may stop at the word go. And as it happens, Christians have gone and done everything under the sun in the name of fulfilling the Great Commission. But here's the thing. If you truncate the Great Commission to the single word go, that's a distortion. Yes. But there's other traditions, and they think the pinnacle of the Great Commission is baptized. That's the peak. And so they disregard the rest of the passage, and of course, that too is a distortion. Which the baptism thing really is talking about. It's what's baptism about? We'll believe and be baptized. It's conversion. It is actually 
It is evangelism with a result. That's right. You are baptized. You are affirming that Jesus has come into my life and that I am following him as his disciple. That's right. Publicly saying, I follow Jesus, right? So there's another distortion in our academic world where knowledge is power. Some get hung up, and I've seen this a lot lately on the command to teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. But here's the thing. If you focus just on the teaching portion, that is also a distortion. Yes. Brother, here's the thing I'm really concerned about. Today in our churches, we are increasingly falling prey to the great distortion. We have become hung up on the phrase, what is it? The phrase, make disciples. Wow. And I think that's true. If we look at the books today, there's endless supply of books and articles and conferences. And here's the thing, Denny, they virtually dismiss all the other words in the verse. Yes. Except make disciples. Yeah, I hear it all the time. I've been to conferences recently and one of the guys got up. He was a very um, successful businessman, uh, very passionate and says, I don't really, I'm not a Bible scholar. But the Bible makes it clear, we are to make disciples. That's our goal, make disciples. And I thought, oh, you're almost there. Almost there. So that line of logic that that businessman used and is very prevalent today, again, people focused on make disciples, virtually dismissing all the other words in the verse. It begins by correctly pointing out that all the rest of the verbs in the verse are participles, brother. And that makes them less important, doesn't it? So now you have a verb that we're calling the transitive verb or um, the imperative. So we've got these uh, verbs, go, make, baptize, teach. What is the imperative, the central verb of the Bible? It is make disciples. Make disciples. And these people rightly say, look for the imperative, and that's the imperative. And so here's what the conclusion is. So if if that's the imperative, make disciples, and since people are everywhere, and there are plenty of non-Christians all around us right here, we should get busy making disciples right here. And no one should object to that imperative, brother, but it leaves something important out. What is it? Well, make disciples of who? Of what? Of where? That's right. What is that? It, it, that's pretty open-ended, actually. That's right. And uh, the reality is, is when the transitive verb, it transfers the action to an object. So it's not just make disciples. Yeah, let, let, let's try this. I, I'm going to give you a command, Denny. Make. Uh, what? That's right. If I command you to make, and I'm not pointing to an object or or looking at a group of people, it's ambiguous. It makes no sense at all. But there's another thing about this passage that I think we need to point out. And what is that, brother? Well, first of all, make is is not exactly (laughs) an, an exact translation of the text. That's right. And the reason that it's not is because... What the real translation here of this is actually the real verb, disciple. But disciple in our language hasn't become a verb until just recently, maybe within some time in the last hundred years. That's right. Before it was only a noun. Noun, That was it. And so Bible translators added the make for grammatical understanding when it really wasn't in the original text. Correct. The transitive verb, folks, is 
disciple. Uh, who? <laughs> it's what? a transitive verb. It's a transitive verb. So yes. let's try this again, brother. Okay. Denny. Yes. I have a command for you. Disciple. Uh, who? What? When? <laughs> yeah, it's a problem. It's a big problem. It doesn't communicate anything useful unless I happen to be looking at or pointing at someone or a group of people. Disciple does not stand alone. It requires an object. And Denny, what is the object? All nations. All nations, disciple all nations. Now, this is really important because the guy you mentioned before is David Mays. And I love David. Uh, he's now with the Lord. Um, he's a great missions mobilizer, especially with churches. And he warned leaders about something in this passage with make disciples, mm-hmm. specifically, specifically disciple all nations. And he calls this the great distortion. Right. Claiming many church mission statements and global mission statements are actually distorted due to this Matthew 28, 19 error. Right. So here's what he says, quote, and this is where we meet the truly great distortion. For the object of disciple is all nations. Jesus did not say to disciple your family or disciple whomever happens to be near, or disciple the people in your community, or disciple the people like you. He said to disciple all nations. In other words, all peoples, all ethno-linguistic groups. Make disciples cannot be divorced from all nations. Now, that's a big deal. That's right. When you remove the all nations, you gut the mandate. And again, it would be unintelligible. Jesus would not have just commanded his disciples to disciple. He wouldn't have done that. It would have been totally ambiguous. And here's where he gets very graphic. Quote, it is not fair, nor legitimate, nor biblical to claim the Great Commission for your church or life's purpose and neglect the nations. It is to use the scripture like a drunk uses a Mm. lamppost for support rather than for illumination. Wow. That really zeroes in Mm -hmm. on the passage to make us begin to think more clearly and accurately about what Jesus means in this great commission. That's right. Denny, let's dig a little deeper here for our listeners today. So we're talking about ethno-linguistic groupings, people with distinct languages and cultures, that make it difficult for the gospel to spread naturally from one to the other. Yes. So if you've been listening to this podcast and you stayed on this far, Jesus did not say just to disciple. He said, disciple all the nations. And you've said this pantata ethne, ethno-linguistic groupings. Danny, how many people groups are there in the world today? If that's our mandate, we should have a grasp on how many people groups are there in the yeah, world today? Yeah, distinct cultures, languages, l- let's say 17,000. It's a little more, maybe some would say a little less, so let's just say 17,000. Yeah, and um, if you're a missiologist type person or really a missions geek, I might say, uh, you might say, wait a minute, didn't the IMB say 11,751? So you have the 17 with Joshua yeah, Project. So yeah. really quickly, how, how do you uh, reconcile those vastly different numbers? Well, it, it's hard to be able to count all of those right. and to figure out exactly where they are. You know, of that group, there are seven known, 
7,000 known languages in the world. Right. So you have dialects, you yes. have different peoples from different places and uh, different tribes and tongues that kind of mix in. And so, for example, the Joshua Project may consider, and I think this is accurate, but Somali is obviously in Somalia unreached. But what about the Somali diaspora that's in the Twin Cities? I think they count them twice. I think the IMB may not. not that, that's a little yeah. speculative on my part, but I think that's kind of the idea right. that you have the dispersion of peoples because of the you know migration that's happening. And so basically you've got either, you know, 12,000 approximately or 17, but we're talking about the same things here. So Denny, how many of those are without the gospel? Well, the estimation is around 7,000. 7,000 groups. Yes. And uh, that about 2.8 to 3 billion people. Yeah, I was going to ask you the numbers because when you, when you hear a number like 7,000, it's just so hard to get your head around it. Right. But we're talking about maybe close to 3 billion people who do not know Christ. Correct. Uh, among those groups, he is unacknowledged, unworshipped, unadored, as we've talked about. Yep. So, Denny, uh, we've been throwing this word around here, unreached. Can you tell us what we mean by unreach? Yeah, what, what's by, the meaning of that? That's really important. You know, this this word has been used over and over and over again, and usually how it's used, unreached to people, especially in North America, means unsaved. They just don't know Jesus. Mm -hmm. But by unreached, the term does not mean unsaved. It means, yes, they are unsaved, but they are also unable to, to have access to the gospel, either zero access or limited access to the gospel. So if they wanted to find out who Jesus was, if they'd ever heard the name, uh, there's no one to tell them. So, Denny, my neighbor across the street, yep. who's a total pagan, it's obvious. Okay? Yep. He, Steve and Tanya I have right across the street. All right, so maybe they've never even heard a clear presentation of the gospel. Maybe. Okay. You mean to tell me those are not unreached people? No, they're not. They're unsaved, but they're not unreached, and here's why. We live in a flood yes. of gospel communication. And by the way, even if you don't hear it on the airwaves or see it on the television or cross a book or see a poster board or see a billboard, they got me. They yeah. got Nancy. So the reason my neighbors I described, who I made up, I'm not sure yep. if my neighbor's a Christian or not. I need to go knock on their door, by the way. <laughs> um, but the reason they're not unreached is because all I have to do is walk across the street, Correct. knock on the door, and share the gospel with Correct. them. There's a big difference. These are people with limited or no access to the gospel. Now, Denny, I want to touch on a relatively sensitive subject here when we talk about unreached, okay? Yep. Is the Great Commission, the Pantata Ethne, all the nations, is it just about reaching unreached peoples? We, we, we've heard this in pastoral circles before, before. Are you telling me missions is just reaching unreached people groups? No, it's primarily about crossing cultures. Right. That's what missions at its core is. Right. It's crossing the barriers that are allowing people to remain in darkness. Mm -hmm. So 
access is a key component of what we're talking about. And in some places of the world, that doesn't mean that there's no Christians whatsoever, but obviously making disciples leads to planting churches. And many times there's not a church strong enough or capable enough of reaching its own. Mm -hmm. And so it needs outside help and influence and encouragement and strengthening. This isn't talking about just going and just dropping the gospel bomb on people. And and as soon as somebody received Christ, you're done. No, it's about making disciples of all nations. And by that uh, extension, planting the church. The urgent need, however, is the unreached because— there is a lack of gospel witness or no witness at all. This is why the unreached terminology is so important. It helps us in as much as we can identify the places where the church is not, the gospel is not, and we can zero in on those. But I just thought that was important. We believe in sending Paul-type missionaries who are going to the frontier where there's no church, but you just hit on it. We also believe in sending Timothy-type church-strengthening missionaries so the church can grow and develop and flourish. Uh, let, let me shift here a little bit, Denny. I have a question for you. I've been quizzing you a lot lately on these podcasts, okay? Um, do you know how many Christian congregations there are in the world today? Any idea? Uh, Conservative estimate. Uh, okay, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> so, 4.5 million. That is conservative. Yeah. These are how can we measure all the home church yeah, movements? Yeah, it's pretty hard. All those things. So these would be churches with critical mass. They're organized. Okay, there's a lot more than 4.5. Yes. But organized evangelical churches, according to um, recent statistics. So when you consider the number of 7,044 people groups, and people say, well, almost 2 billion souls, that's overwhelming. But yep. I want you to lay that against that number I just put out there. 4.5 million churches means that there are nearly 640 churches for every one unreached people group. And let's say it's really hard to know that, and we think it's inaccurate. Cut it in half. Cut it in half. Wow, that's amazing. Over 300 churches for every unreached people group. So this is not a resource issue. No. There is no shortage of personnel. There is no shortage of resources. There's a shortage of passion and will and understanding. Yes, definitely so. So, brother, what is our mandate? Let's just kind of recapture this. What is our mandate? We just looked at Matthew 28. Is it make disciples, period? No, never. You cannot divorce the two. It's linguistically not only impossible, no matter if you like it, make disciples of all nations or disciple all nations. Both of them are interconnected at the hip. It's impossible to pull those two apart. And let's just kind of wrap this up with, I think, a a piece of encouragement. We just talked about 7,000 groups that are unreached. Yes. We just talked about 2.8 to 3 billion souls who've never heard of our Savior and King. And we talked about how we're not truly, deeply, passionately engaging them. Hmm. I want to remind our listeners that the Great Commission mandate that we just talked about is sandwiched between two promises. Yes. The promise of his power and the promise of his presence. So he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been been given given to me. me. Therefore, go disciple 
the nations, and then, of course, the other side of the Great Commission is the other promise. And surely I am with you always. I'm with you always, even, even to, to the, the very, very end, end of the yes. age. So get this, folks. The Great Commission is buttressed by the promise of Christ's power and the promise of the Holy Spirit's presence, which means anything is possible. And this Great Commission will be fulfilled. In fact, if you want to look at the uh, fulfillment mm. A picture of what it looks like when the Great Commission is fulfilled, or you could say the culmination of his authority. You just go to Revelation chapter 5, and you see those worshipers from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, bowing before Christ, giving him the reward of his suffering. So this is what I want to put out there. When it comes to the Great Commission, it's not a matter of will it be accomplished. It's a matter of will we join God in bringing it to pass? Yes. We have his power. We have his promise. Yeah. I, I can't think of a better way to end this than uh, the the scriptures that you yeah. referenced. And Revelation 5, 9, and 7, 9 virtually are very close to saying the very yes. th same thing. And Jesus is giving through this vision with the Apostle John, God is gracious enough to grant us to see the end. What? the culmination of all of this will be. And after this, I looked, John said, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the lamb. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hand. That is the picture of the culmination of what Jesus receives as the rewards of his suffering. And I want to point something out that I feel like God has, you know, just stirred in my heart over the years. If you join Jesus in this Great Commission mandate, and you don't gut it, you yes. don't remove the object, you make disciples of your neighbors, yes, but you also, whether it's by prayer or going or mobilizing or sending, whatever. You join in this work of getting the gospel to all nations. Denny, the joy of those worshiping nations, I believe it becomes part of your heavenly inheritance. Mm. So get this, all true believers are going to witness that and marvel at it, but some will not have the delight of knowing, I got to be a part of that. Their presence here was God's grace working through my life while I was on earth. It'll be a shared joy. So I just hear me out. Don't miss out. Amen. Don't miss out on the joy now and the joy then. Don't domesticate the Great Commission. Amen. Three billion people on the planet do not know Christ. Wow, let that sink in. You've been listening to Matthew Allison and Danny Spitters as they take review of the Great Commission of Jesus Christ. For Christians, few things are more important. This has been an episode of When Everything is Missions. Matthew Ellison is head of 1615, a missions coaching group. And Danny Spitters is vice president of church partnerships at Pioneers USA. Make sure you have a copy of the book, When Everything is Missions. It is a must read. Get a copy wherever you buy your books or from whenEverythingIsMissions.com. More Matt and Danny next time on When Everything is Missions.